Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please? We're going to Jeremiah chapter 10. Thank you, Billy. Jeremiah chapter 10. We're going to read the first 10 verses. We're running pretty late this morning, but sure, what's time when you're in God's presence? He is the eternal God, and that's what matters. What is time when you're in His presence? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 10, beginning to read it in verse 1. Hear ye the word which, pardon me, hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workman with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? For to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Euphas. The workman of the work of the workman, the work of the workman, pardon me, and of the hands of the finder, blue and purple is their cunning. They are all the work of the cunning men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. At his wrath the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moving of your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, you're here and spoken to us. And now we ask you, Father, to help us to see the days that we live in. And let us hear, as it were, even spoken earlier through the Spirit, the very call of God to be able to go on with you, Father, even in the depths of despair, in the darkness of valleys. For there you have promised, Lord, that you will be with us. Help us to see uh, the very price that was paid by your darling Son, the Lord Jesus, when he shed his blood and died at Calvary. May it encourage us in our faith. May it encourage us to go on with you. May it encourage everyone in this house and all who will listen uh, that God is still on the throne, that he is still the King of nations, and he is still the everlasting King. So we pray in Jesus' name, Father, we ask it for his glory. Amen. Amen. And this morning, it's, the title is The Warning Call from a Loving God. 
The warning call from a loving God. You see, if you knew there was a danger up the road, if you knew a bridge was out and there was a deep river, if you knew a car was driving to the end of a pier that they thought it was a road, if you knew that and didn't warn the driver, the occupants of the car, and you let them go to their death, you let them go to destruction, you wouldn't be very loving. Yet we live in a world today, we live in a nation today, a society, where when you and I tell them of a wrath that God has, and when we warn them, we're warning them in love that they must get right with God, but yet you're looked at someone who is bigoted. You're looked at someone who is hateful. And now that which was once good is deemed to be evil, and evil is now deemed to be good. And just uh, yesterday and the day before, speaking with Pastor uh, Charles, we were talking about the, the, spirit, the, the spirit that's hovering over not just the, the Britain and Ireland, the United States, but that's hovering over the world, uh, this ungodliness uh, that's happening. It's, and it's really sometimes you can see it with your eyes, but God must show you it in the spirit, must open our eyes to see the things that's happening in not only in Ulster, not only in Ireland, but in the UK and in the United States. But we find that there are things that we would never have dreamed that would have happened are now happening. Things that would never have been allowed are now being allowed. And the things that were once good are now cast aside. And you and I are the minority remnant that's left in our nation. And so we are the belated minority whom the enemies of Christ, the Antichrist spirit wants to destroy. Well, you know, I have something to tell the devil if he wants to listen this morning. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Death itself did not prevail against the church of God in Christ. It did not prevail when they were being martyred under Nero. And it didn't, it didn't hinder it. It prevailed, pardon me, and it didn't hinder it when they were being kneeled to uh, or tied to the, the very stalks and burned alive at Smithfield and the Reformation. And all the enemy of the wickedness, the wickedness of the enemy coming did not hinder what God was doing in our nation, in our island home. God still moved in the midst of darkness. He moved in the midst of evil. He moved when the spirits of Antichrist were against it. God still moved. God still blessed because God is still on the throne. God is still in control. And now we find that in our reading here, you know, we could look at the things, and I could name them that's going on today. This is happening in our nation today. This is happening in the British Isles today. And what is happening at this point is, you all know, I've taught you all many times that Israel is broken into two kingdoms. 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 12 will tell you the story of that. The ten tribes were in the north, and then they're carried away captive after years of sin, after years of not listening to the voice and the call of God, not obeying the word of God. The Assyrians come, carry them away captive, and you know the story, they go up through the Caucasus Mountains, and of course into Europe, and of course that's where we're birthed from. And of course then we have the house of Judah is carried away 120 years later, into Babylon. And of course, we read Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel in the land's day, and all that sort of stuff. Now, when we get there, 
This is before the house of Judah is carried away. And in verse 1, it speaks, Hear ye the word of the Lord, hear ye the word, pardon me, which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Now, generally, when the kingdom split, the house of Israel is a northern kingdom. But the house of Israel as a whole is all of the tribes together. Now, the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, is gone. They're carried away. They never return again. They never become a nation again. But that is in, in, the, in the land of Canaan. But here, he's speaking now to the house of Judah. And he's saying, you're learning the way of the heathen. You're what's left of the original tribes of the house of Israel. That is all of Israel. You're learning the way of the heathen. And that's a trait that has come from Father Adam. Sin. Sin brings forth death. Sin is when we then want to feed the flesh. It's how we want it. It's what we believe it. And it's how we see it. And that's all that matters. Because from Adam's genes or germs right down come into all of us. So we find then that when we get to the terms, the time when Israel are in Egypt, way before this, when they're in Egypt, they see the way of the Egyptians. Yet God blesses Goshen and all is happening. Does not show you that even in tri- the Great Tribulation, God can still keep his people. We're not ruptured out of the road and coming back a lot of years later. We're remaining. We'll be here. It shows you that God can keep his people in the midst of trial, individually, as a nation, as a church, as an assembly. God can keep his people and protect them. But we find at this point now that Israel have come out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 13, write it down. We'll not read it for time's sake. Moses tells Israel, remember this day that the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You remember this. Brought you out by the blood of the Lamb. And so this was to strengthen their faith for when other things came against them, and it did. Other enemies came against them, and they did. You're to remember that you're a chosen people, he says. You're set apart. You're to remember that you're sanctified through the blood and the word, the law of God is given. And he says, remember when this day God brought you out of Egypt. Here's the problem. If you mark Numbers 15, Numbers 15, we have Israel sitting in the wilderness and they start thinking of Egypt. And they're saying, oh, I'm paraphrasing now. Oh, we remember when we had the garlic and the onions and the leeks and the cucumbers feeding the flesh. They were fleshy. We remember that and how we're just stuck with this manna. What? unsatisfied with what God has provided, dissatisfied with the food from heaven. You see, that's the problem in our nation today. That's the problem with many Christian churches today. We want to be fleshy. We want to be fleshy in our ritual. We want to be fleshy in our religion. We want to be fleshy where we're told, you know, these gifts of the Spirit are no longer just be fleshy. You've enough with, as it were, they say, Jesus in your heart. No, brothers and sisters, because you and I, if we're saved, are to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost. We have a heavenly manna that we feed on on the Word of God. 
heavenly manner whom we trust in being the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We have a heavenly manner. We're a manner. We are a different people. Listen, if you're not different than this nation, there's something wrong. And listen, this nation should be different than the other nations. God made it so. The problem is that they're wandering, looking toward Egypt. By the time we get to Exodus chapter uh, 32, they're taking gold and making calves out of it. And they, they're making these golden calves. They're worshiping it. In fact, they're, they're, they're having wild parties and, and, and orgies at the foot of it. And they're saying, this calf, this bull, is Yahweh that brought us out of Egypt. See, they made a God in their own head, a God in their own mind. And because they made this God, well, that's who God must be. How many of us would say we've made a God in our head and in our own mind because God can't get out of this little box? The Word of God can only be this size. So what happens is, as goes the church, so goes the nation. You know why Britain is in such a dire, terrible state? I'm talking about, you look at it, the Islamification of Britain. You look at it. Look at the terrible state of some of the cities in, in England. You're English, you know it, are Look at the dire state of it because of this spirit, you see, that is hovering over Britain. You know why it's hovering over? Because God has allowed it to do so because they have thrown out the living God. They've turned away the word of God. They've turned away the gospel. But here's the thing. They, we are still a little bastion of truth, of the spirit here in Northern Ireland. Everyone says it in Europe. Northern Ireland is different. But you know what? The encroaching of Antichrist spirit is getting further and further and further into us. We find that in the, the like of this time when Jeremiah is here, Israel have fallen at every hurdle. Israel has fallen at every hurdle. And God's grace keeps ministering. I'm glad of his grace. Are you glad of his grace? I praise God for his grace. We find that God's grace keeps ministering to them. But then he, he tells them, you know, God can get angry. God has wrath. So we want to look at it. We, we're going to look at some of it. And I'll, I'll do a part two in another time. But I want to just look at it. I want you to see if you can. Ask God right now just to show you in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, to show you the spiritual battles and the spiritual warfare that is happening right now. It's happening in in homes, it's happening in families, it's happening in marriages, it's happening among children, it's happening in our youth, it's happening in our schools and in our colleges and in our universities. And the, the extreme left wing the, are nothing but neo-Marxists. They are the modern day Bolshevik, if you want. And they're saying, look, this is how it is. They have become the dictators claiming themselves to be free. But you know what it is? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And that spirit is prevalent, especially in the UK, or I should say in Britain. In the UK here, well, we're still fighting that. 
Notice how our government is. When terrorists can sit unrepentant and tell us how to live. Isn't that true? Tell us what to do and tell us how we should be. The only thing, brothers and sisters, we should live by is right here in my hands. It's what this says. The word of the living God. You see, in this we find that Israel, we look for the onions and the garlic, and they're told to remember their day of deliverance. But they remembered how good the world was to them. And see, the problem is when people fall away from God, they, they don't remember their deliverance and the great deliverance they had from the spiritual Egypt, which is the world. You know what they remember? They remember their times with their mates. They remember the taste of the drink on their lips. They remember the smell of the alcohol in their nostrils. And so the Christian church is starting to enter into it and say, Jesus is my king, but I like the onions and the garlic. It's everywhere. Now, you see, the problem was it was easy. I say this with reverence to Almighty God, our Father, but it is easy to take Israel out of Egypt. That was easy. You know what the difficult part is? Getting Israel or Egypt out of Israel. It's the same nationally. God is bringing us out of the European Union. Praise the Lord. He's bringing us out, and yet they're fighting, clawing tooth and nail. Every demonic force and spirit is now rising in the earth to hold on to the coasts of Britain, the white cliffs of Dover. Every one of them is holding on. And whether we mention Mr. Trump, who's doing a tremendous job, or whether we mention even Mr. Farage, who's done a good job there too. Oh, you see... You're a bigot or you're, you're this, that, or the other, you know. So every force says, Russia's on the rise. Yes, true. And Russia could attack Britain if we're out of the European Union. So the European Union say, we're going to just feed them some onions and garlic and leeks. And they smell it and they go, oh, we'll be in a wilderness. But what if we only have... God. Well, that's all we need. That's all we need. What if we only have God? That's all we need. In our personal life, in our home life, in CET life, in the church universal life, or in our national life, they say if we're cut out and we're set a seal, it's as though the British guys are going to seal away into the sunset somewhere. And they're saying, what are we going to do? We're going to be lost. There's going to be nobody to trade with. There's a whole world. There's a whole commonwealth. Nevertheless, I'm going off, I'm going off kilter here. And every spirit comes against it to try and keep us. You must stay with us. We'll back you if Russia attacks. Listen, the British Army is the best trained army in the world. But even at that, all we've got to do is repent and turn to God. He has set us free many, many times. 
and he has delivered us many, many times. Here we find in our reading, I haven't even got the our reading yet, so you're going to have to bear with me a moment. Here in our reading, we find that in 1 Kings 11, Solomon loved many strange women, non-Israelite women. You know what happened? They brought all their gods with them, their multiculturalism with them, their voodoo worship, as it were. Not then, but I'm just giving you something to say. And what happens in, in our nation today? The floodgates have been opened. Because the floodgates have been opened, people are coming in and they're bringing their idolatrous worship. Mosques going up all over Britain. And so we find that even, if you want, in the, in the worldly sense, the world is getting worse. Abortion on demand. Down south in the Republic of Ireland, the Eighth Amendment is, they're looking to vote to change it. The slaughter of the innocent in the womb. All of these things are around us. Ask God, Lord, show me in the spirit that which is hovering over our land, over our nation. Show me that, that we may see it, that we may know what is happening. In our reading, the Lord says to Judah, to all of Israel, but most of them are gone now, and says, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Notice verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Now I want to tell you, there's many heathens out there who live like heathens, as it were. See this little word, heathen? Let me just give you just two minutes of a little study on it, because it's very important. You... You generally find people speak in the new, new terms, or the covenant, new covenant terms of the word Gentile. Oh, it's the Jews and the Gentile. It's more than that. For example, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, God promises Abraham or Abram that I will make thee a father of many nations. The word nation there is the word goyim or goy. It's the exact same word for the word heathen here. Goy or goyim. And in Genesis 17, verses 4, 5, 6, the Lord tells him again. He says in verse, uh, pardon me, in 12 and 2, I'll make you a great nation. Then he says he'll make many people and nations shall come out of thee. Surely God's not saying to Abraham, many heathen are coming out of thee. Yet this word is used for Gentile. You see why you need to understand the word Gentile? God isn't saying to Abraham, well, I'm going to make many Gentile nations out of you. No. He's saying many nations from thy loins, Israel will come out of thee. So when we get here to verse 7, who would not fear thee, O king of nations? It's the exact same word. It's heathen, it's nation, and it means also seed of Abraham. It doesn't mean non-Jewish or non-Israelitish. It can mean that, but it's in the context. So God is saying to Abraham, I'm going to make your seed many nations. So when we get to this point, we could read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. And this could be what is happening 
This is what is happening today. Verse 3, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, small g, the devil, in other words, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. The word there is, he is the icone or the icon of God. Everything about Christ is God. Who should shine and should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and our servants for yours, for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Every time I see uh, the scripture, read the gospels, and I hear the words of Christ, I see God. Brothers and sisters, you need to understand there's teaching going around and it's growing that Jesus is not divinity clothed in humanity. He is the Almighty. That's what he says himself. I am, he says, the Almighty. I am. So we find here, men and women's minds are blinded all around the world. Blinded lest the gospel would reach them and they would be saved by sovereign grace. Unless they would see the condition they're in. And of course then, things just grow from bad to worse to worse. Sin uh, just ravishes homes and lives. And in Jeremiah chapter 10, the Lord says, Learn not the way of the heathen. Here he gives them a warning call. God is saying, I'm telling you, don't learn the way of the Goyim. And then when we read on, he says, Don't worry about the signs and their of heaven and they're standing gazing at the stars. I know a lot of Christians and they would buy, I don't buy newspapers, but they buy newspapers and they open up the newspaper and they look to see what the horoscope says. Let's see what our star says. That's a load of waffle and piffle. <laughs> then he says in verse 3, for the customs, notice the customs of the people. Every day in Britain, even in Ulster now, sure, there's a, a, a radio program that everybody's well acquainted with. Every day, it is pro-LGBT. Every day, it is pro-same-sex marriage. Every day, it is hateful of the British way of life. Every day, listen to it, every day. Someone comes on every day. It hates the gospel. It hates the word of God. It hates, it allows everyone to come on to have their say every day against the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the biggest show in the country. <laughs> the biggest show in the country abides in the glory and he's going to be coming again. So we must not be worried or anxious, but do what the Lord says, how the Lord commands, how the Lord leads. He says, for the customs of the people. You see, everything now is we must go by their customs. We must go by their idolatry. 
We must go, we must ecumenize, we must get together. And if we don't, sure, the Protestant ministers in Northern Ireland have written a letter and invited the Pope to come to Northern Ireland. And in doing that, they're bringing him up. That's not about a visit. That's claiming the territory for the Roman church. That's what that is. When the last pope visited Glasgow, he had a man dressed, or they had a man dressed, welcoming him in down Edinburgh, right past where John Knox lives. You go to Edinburgh Castle, and you go down that main street, there's John Knox's house, and there was John Knox as though he comes out of his house and walks before, welcoming him in. You know what happened? He then went to make, uh, to beatify uh, a cardinal from the Roman church who had turned from the Anglican church. And this man was dressed as John Knox, the reformer in Scotland. And guess what? Everybody comes out and goes, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? You know what this is? This is the last days. Even if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. Brothers and sisters, listen. One, we're not going to learn the way of the heathen. Two, we will never take on their customs. And three, we will not be deceived by any other spirit, but rather we will be led in the fullness of the Holy Ghost to lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So where we are in our reading, the Lord warns the people. He tells them, I'm watching them. They cut down trees from the forest. They, the work of their hands, the axe man, he, I watch him fashioning. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers that it doesn't move. It's stuck fast. You know what he's saying? This is a dead God. Even you must nail it to something. Can't even stand up for itself. And you're bowing down to worship it. He's saying, oh, house of Israel, it's time. It's time, Britain. It's time for us to turn back to the living God. It's time for you and I to waken up out of our sleep. It's time for the church to stand up and say, well, you can all go and join your ecumenical soup. We're going to stay here on the manna of the word of God. You can have your leeks and your garlics and all that sort of cucumbers and all. You can take it if you want. You can take the spirit of the word. But we are going to feast on what God has provided for us, the word of God. We will stay to the word of God. We will stick to the word of God. We will preach the word of God. And nothing else will do for us. We will feast upon the word. Some people come to the word then and they say, uh, I go to CET and he really preaches all of that, you know, really gets into it and he breaks it all down and so what about telling me something flurry and fanciful and candy floss, you know, something sweet and we go home and wasn't that a lovely day at church? <laughs> Folks, you know what? I'm sorry, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to offend anyone, but they've come to the wrong church. <laughs> they have come to the wrong place. Come to the wrong place. Do you know on the commission of the Equality Commission, there's two 
Well, they say, but I'll leave up with God. Two alleged Christians fighting the case of the gay marriage cake. Two professing Christians fighting for, against Asher's Bakery. One a Presbyterian minister. It's damnable. I know I get myself in trouble. But you know, I'm just trusting all you will stand around me <laughs> and hide me. You know me, I don't, I don't really care anyway. It's damnable. What happened to the, what happened to, what happened to the blood in the book? What happened about raising up onward Christian soldiers? It's more like onward Christian soothsayers in some churches. Let's all travel down to the tent to get your prophecy. I'm waiting and walking in and somebody with a crystal ball and a hood over them. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that true? And what that does, that rubbishes the reality of the power of the Holy Ghost in the church. And I can't blame people for saying, we don't want that in our church, because neither do I. But I do want the Spirit moving. I do want people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I do want to see it. Church, what about you going away from today, every one of us, and praying and praying until it comes, say, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Listen, there was someone in here, and I don't know if they want me to say, so I'm not mentioning their name. They've prayed it for quite some time, and they're on their own. And I got a phone call the other week. They're on their own the next thing. They started they start to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, sitting on their house, on their own, and they just couldn't stop it. Poured out of them. There was, there was no big hype. They didn't need it. Holy Ghost doesn't need it. Nobody's looking for the vessel to fill. The Holy Ghost wants the vessel to fill. And listen, Christian, there's some of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what you're doing? You're burying that. You know what you're doing? You've turned off the top and clogged up the well. Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and God has given you gifts. You know what you're doing? You're not stirring up the gift that God has given you. Here we find that the Lord says that these people, in verse 5, they are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born. They cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Now, let me just stop here, because I'm going to close. I'm going to have to do I haven't even touched my first line yet. The first line reads like this. Verse 7 poses a question, a question by the prophet to God, a question is actually, that is actually an exasperated exclamation. That's my first line. So I haven't got there yet. Now here's the thing. There are people who are becoming so hyper-spiritual that whenever, whenever we hear of things spiritual, they realize, oh, here, maybe I have no power. I read a thing yesterday from a, fellow, a man. He's a Pentecostal minister. And I read it, I read it actually last night about 1, 1, 1.30 in the morning. And he said, just watch the devil, spirit-filled believer. 
because he could do you damage and he'll take you out and all this sort of stuff. And he blamed another minister in America having lost his children because he called the devil a name. I went, oh my goodness. Listen, what about the power of the blood? What about Calvary? What about the, the book? The authority and the word of God. You carry it, you have it. What about the sealing and the baptism of God Almighty living in you, your heavenly Father flowing from you? What about these things for the church? We need to be alive, brothers and sisters. We need to get awakened in these days. We need to be awakened. Let me finish with this. Verse 6 says, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great. Thy name is great in might. Boy, there's something to praise him for already, isn't it? You know, we need to keep our eyes not on, yes, be awakened to what is going on. We need to keep our eyes on him. Understand who he is in our lives. Here, Jeremiah, he poses the question. What is the question? It's in verse 7. The very first line. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? Who would not fear thee? We are living in a day when there's no fear of God. No fear in our land. No fear in the home anymore. No fear. Everything is as man sees and deems fit to do, so he does. Who would not fear thee, says the prophet? Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? He's speaking to God about what's happening in Judah. God says, I see them laboring with their hands. I see them in the ways and the, the customs of the heathen. He says, I'm watching it. And I'm angry. God says, I am angry at it. Britain is the same today. God is angry with this land and the people of it. When I see, when he sees, if I can see it, how much more in his sight, how much clearer is the sin of the people? How much further has the church moved away from him? He says, I see it. So the prophet says, God's angry. I catch the spirit of it here. I understand in my spirit that our God is angry. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? Who would not fear thee? You know why they don't fear him? Because they don't know him. Now, if you're saved, his perfect love will cast out fear. Yeah, absolutely. But the fear is reverence, respect. Reverence and respect. Do you know there's a nation out there who not only don't fear God, but have the customs of the heathen? There's now calls to prayer all over England. Where it used to be praises of Yahweh. Now it is the call of men and women to Allah. all over the nation. 
are those that go into churches and buy at idols. There are those that go to football stadiums, brother. Ah, uh, I'm going to get beat up on the way out now. <laughs> My hero is. I'm not saying people shouldn't enjoy their sport. I'm not saying that. But they can cheer and they can praise almost and worship. Who is the greatest? Oh, uh, this team is the greatest in that team. I don't want to offend anyone's team either now. And this player is the greatest. Listen, there's only one that's the greatest. And he's coming again. Church, I'll tell you this no close. I used to be, I want to watch myself. Used to be a man and a woman. And they used to just, oh, broke my heart. Don't think we should have him coming into the church on a sunny day with a pair of soft shoes on. I'm not joking. Oh, she's had a troubled marriage. Maybe we should not let her pray. And I used to say, sit down, brother, and just give my head peace, would you? <laughs> Where's your grace? Where's your grace? That's only the tip of it. Sometimes the way you play, sometimes, maybe you even said one time, you should be praising God and swinging from the lights. How worldly can you get? That's what he said to me. She was no better. So we went to a wedding one day. They were invited. And every time we go to a wedding and there's a band or music playing, Alison and I watch the bride have her first dance in the groom and we leave. It's not anything on the people, it's just our, what we do. We didn't have any music at our wedding at all. We shut the bar and I preached the gospel <laughs> to the congregation. <coughs> and even Eunice's dad, Alison's granddad, um, Brethren preacher stood up and proclaimed me as being a, a saved man. <laughs> but here's the thing. Went to this wedding and this couple were there and as soon as the worldly music started, they were up swinging and jiving and dancing and he was twirling around and, you know, <laughs> clapping their hands and, you know, I was waiting on her doing the splits. <laughs> this is the truth. So the next time they came to me, not long after, well, brother, I think that uh, we praised a little long this morning. And I says, did we? I says, you weren't saying that when you were twirling your wife around a worldly music on the dance floor, brother. Now, if you can't Praise God, and you can twirl your wife around in the church. You shouldn't be twirling around out there either. Brother, sister, here's what I'm saying. There's people that will not praise here, but out in the world, whether it's a football match or whether it's at a, 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 some dance, please don't go to dances, but if they're at a dance or whatever, 
You call it dance. I don't know what you call them now. You know, I'm getting grayer. <laughs> By the way, I had a photograph. Somebody took a photograph of me there last year at our opening, and my hair was jet black down the sides. Now I look at it, look at that. See what Pastor's done to me? Brother, sisters, time. It's time, church, to come alive. It's time to come alive. It's time to be unafraid to praise God, to thank Him, say, Lord, you're the great God. We're not learning the ways and the customs of the heathen. We are here. We're not going to dead idols. We're not going to buy at them. We're not going to put money in them. Alice and I were in Romania uh, as missionaries, and we went to, into this big Orthodox church, and there was a brass plate on the wall like this with a hole in it. And so all these people are coming up and they're taking up a couple of steps and they're sticking their head in the hole in the wall. Coming and then throwing money on a plate. And we were watching these people doing this. So I said to this guy who was with us, what are they doing? Oh, they look in there and they're hoping to see one of the saints. <laughs> so they pay money to see it. This is what's happened. And wow. A man laying there, like a, a, a mummified body in a glass case. They were coming over, kissing the glass. It was about that far from them. Kissing the glass and putting money in. The people, poor people, led astray. Led astray by this. Why? Because of heathen practice. Brothers and sisters, it's time the church awoke. It's time we raised up. It's time we were unafraid and unashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus. It's, it's time we were unafraid to go to our family and say, you need to be saved. You need to get your life together. You need to come to Christ. You need to be washed in the blood. It's time for our little province again to start serving Jesus, that he'll be glorified in every place. So don't be afraid to praise him. Don't be afraid to call on to him. Don't be afraid to lift your hands and worship. Let's praise him for a moment.